0: You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello there, everyone. We're locked in for episode 33 of Locked On Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked on Thunder is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can head on to iTunes and search Locked On Thunder to subscribe to the podcast there. You can leave a review if you're feeling like it too. Find us on audioboom.com as well. You can go to Normantranscript.com to follow my thunder coverage as well. You can find my blog on there. It's called Thunder Road, just under the sports tab on the site. Today's Locked On Thunder is brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the mobile app for the easiest way to buy tickets and the promo code LO Thunder. That's one word. It gets you a $20 rebate on your first purchase. Just type that into the search bar at the top of the site. And remember, I'm on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings now. That's from August through about the middle of September. And after that, I'm back on daily like I was in the summer. in the beginning of the summer, I should say. It's still the summer. Monday through Friday. Full-on mailbag today. Back with a guest for next Tuesday's podcast. For now, let's talk some thunder. First one from, I'm not sure if it's... I might have written it down wrong. I have T-boked, but it might have been t But so Here's the question. Either way, the question I got right. Four point guards, is there a trade coming with Cam being the best bait? Price is a veteran. Cam and Samaje are redundant. Sell high with Cam's foot. Uh, obviously, Westbrook would be the fourth point guard in that scenario. You know, I think it's plausible that there's going to be some sort of shakeup with the point guards at some point this season. I don't think it's going to happen before opening day. I don't think it's going to happen before training camp. I think probably heading into the season, considering the Thunder are at 15 guaranteed contracts right now, you're going to see your point guards for the Thunder as Westbrook, Payne, and Ronnie Price. Ronnie Price, you know, Ronnie Price is not a partially guaranteed contract. I know people are talking about him like he's expendable. And from a basketball standpoint, I mean, Ronnie Price is the third point guard. and It's hard to argue your third point guard is anything other than that. But Ronnie Price signed a two-year guaranteed deal. They committed to Ronnie Price. Ronnie Price committed to the organization. Uh, he's going to be around at least at the start of the year. Now, maybe Ronnie Price is not the point guard by the end of the year. Maybe something happens with Christian. But but the thing is with Samaje Christian with Samaj is that he's going to be in the D-League for a lot. He signed a non-guaranteed partially guaranteed contract, I should say. $200,000 of that money is guaranteed. But he's going to go down to the D-League. He's going to be in the D-League for, I think, a lot of this year. It's hard to carry a fourth point guard. As for trading Cameron Payne, I don't think that's coming. I don't think that really makes sense. I mean, I know they're high on Payne. He was the first-round pick a couple years ago. He's still just 21 years old. He's coming off of foot surgery. He was inconsistent last year. I don't think you trade him so that Price can be your backup point guard. I think Price is probably a below-average second-string point guard. He doesn't run an offense very well. Look, there are things he does well. He's feisty defensively, and he fights hard, and he's smart. And everybody will tell you that he's, you know, really good in the locker room, and he's kind of just a, an extra coach in the locker room from a personality, from an intelligence perspective, all those things. People speak amazingly highly of his character. Everybody, you can't find anybody who says a negative word about Ronnie Price, the person. But Ronnie Price, the basketball player, is not very good at running an offense, and I don't know if you want that guy as your backup point guard if you're trying to be a playoff team. If you're last year sons, if you're the Lakers from, from the last couple of years, then yeah, you know, Ronnie Price is a viable option because he's he's a really good veteran presence for your young guys. He'll get guys to fight hard on defense. He'll be a really good He'll be a really good personality in the locker room. He's somebody who can start, you know, 20 games or something like he did with the Lakers, like he did with the Suns. Those are young teams coming together. But if you're in the Thunder's position, even though that's a young team, this is also a playoff roster. I don't think Ronnie Price is necessarily your backup point guard in that sense. Now, if the Thunder end up making a move, maybe it's farther along in the year when things work out, you know, know, maybe they work out a little bit differently than what they hope they will with the point guards because Ronnie Price is 33 years old 32 years old whatever he is on a two-year deal I'm not saying the, you know these three guys are going to be the point guard rotation at the end of the year there's certainly flexibility there if there's something someone that goes though I would say it's price and it's not going to be now I mean that's not even a, an option considering they just signed him uh, but and, and I don't think it's going to be Payne. I mean you know obviously scenarios come around where you present themselves but there's just no reason to see that Cameron Payne uh, is a guy who the Thunder are going to get rid of. I think that's a guy they value as part of their future. He's 21 years old. He's a talent. He's an athlete. He can shoot a little bit. Uh, he showed flashes of, of of really nice potential last year, even though he also showed some inconsistency. Uh, and, and I think I think with Payne, uh, you're going to see you're going to see see at least some more consistency in his second season. That's something you normally see. For the guy who showed, you know, as a 20-year-old who left college early, that's something you normally see in the second year of a guy's career. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You ever walk into an OKC Dodgers or Thunder game, maybe head to an OU game and wonder if you actually got the best ticket? Well, SeatGeek can help prevent that feeling. SeatGeek is an easy mobile friendly experience you just have to download the app called SeatGeek and the ticket is right there you walk to the gate with the barcode right there on your phone there's a rating on every ticket it's one to a hundred to tell you what kind of bang for your buck you can get for your ticket plus if you head to the search bar and you type in my promo code L.O. Thunder that's one word the letter L the letter O Thunder you'll get a $20 rebate in your first purchase You want to know if there are any deals to Sooner games or Thunder games or whatever it is that you're missing out on this September or come October and November when basketball season starts? You can sign up for price alerts on those events. Those are going to let you know the pricing. And more importantly, they'll point out those sneaky moments leading up to events when prices actually start to drop and you can sneak in and nab one of those tickets for a little cheaper than you might have thought you could have. And SeatGeek is going to make sure to let you know what's in your selected price range, which you can choose before. There's no more wondering what if when you think you may have overpaid for a game. Use SeatGeek, and that fear is now gone. Next, from Nate, do you expect Donovan to stagger Westbrook Oladipo and Adams Robertson for both offense and defense? How many minutes for Adams-Cantor combo? All right, let's approach these differently. I'm going to take these as three questions. Do you expect Donovan, Billy Donovan, to stagger Russell Westbrook and Victor Oladipo on offense? I think there'll be something in that, especially if you see Cameron Payne come out and maybe he doesn't, maybe he's, you know, cleared to play and everything after undergoing that fracture, uh, after undergoing surgery on that Jones that Jones fracture in his right foot, which he had this past July. Uh, you know, the Thunder say he's going to be ready for the start of the year, but sometimes, you know, mentally guys are a little bit slow coming back from it. Maybe Payne is still a little inconsistent. That's certainly plausible. I think he's going to be better. I think he's going to find himself better this year than he did last year. But it's still plausible. He's still 21 years old. It's certainly possible that Payne could be inconsistent because a lot of 21-year-olds are inconsistent when they play. A lot of 21-year-olds are inconsistent in their lives, let alone when they're making millions of dollars playing in the NBA. So it's certainly plausible that, that Cameron Payne is inconsistent this year. And if that's the case, uh, I think a way to hedge against that is not necessarily playing Ronnie Price more. It's using Victor Oladipo to run your second unit. You know, Oladipo is a guy who can play, has has played point guard in Orlando. Now, I don't think he's really your natural go-to point guard type. Uh, I I think, you know, people obviously said that about Westbrook for a long time. I I railed against that. I still do. It's, It's not true. Uh but I I think is a little bit different. Uh I don't think he has the passing gene that Westbrook quite does and that's fine. He's just he's he's more of a combo guard. He's more of a two. He's more of a scorer. That's great. It works well in a lot of offenses. That's just who he is. That's his style and that's great. And I think defenders should go with that. He can run a second unit. You can let him take over a second unit at times. I think that'll work nicely. Uh you know, let him let him create a little bit but mostly look for shots, get guys going, get out in transition. Get steals, run a fast pace, a fast paced second unit offense. I, I think that would be um, an exciting way to play it. And when you want to play matchups and that kind of stuff, that that's a cool way to go about it with Donovan. And I think that's something we're going to see. So, yeah, I, I think there's going to be some amount of staggering. Um, it it kind of depends on how good Payne is. That's really all it is. If Payne comes out and he's really reliable from day one, then we probably won't see it much because. Donovan's just going to want to hand the reins over to Payne in the second unit. And if Payne's really good, if he stands to get more than, you know, 18, 20 minutes a night, then all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, you're just going to have a three-man guard rotation because Payne's going to have to learn how to play next to Russell Westbrook too, which is something the Thunder were trying out. I mean, that's why Payne and Kristen played next to each other a lot during Summer League. I mean, that was why they were starting two point guards in Summer League, so that both Payne and the Kristen could learn how to play next to another ball-dominant guard. Because they, they want those guys to learn how to play next to Russell Westbrook. Because if Payne's going to be a good player, then they're going to want him to learn how to play next to Westbrook in a two-point guard lineup. I mean, that's, that's a goal of this organization, as it very well should be. Uh, so, so, I mean, it really depends on how reliable Payne is. Not necessarily how good he is. I think he's pretty good. I think he's going to be solid this year. I think it more just depends on how consistent, how reliable he is from a night-to-night basis. Basically, what is his floor when he doesn't play well? If his floor, when he doesn't play well, is we can't play him, he's too detrimental to the team, then they can't play him. Or I should say, then they can't play him on those given nights. Then he's going to go out and in and out of the rotation, similarly to what he did last year. Uh, And that's when you see Oladipo kind of get staggered with Russ. Uh, But I, I do expect Billy Donovan to at least try this out. Billy Donovan tried out a lot of different things. Adams and Robertson, offense and defense. Yeah. I think that could happen, especially because I think Donovan is going to try out different ways to try to get shooting in the lineup. So staggering Adams and Robertson on offense, on defense, I should say. Uh, just I refer, not on defense, but for defensive reasons, um, it, it, it makes some amount of sense. I kind of like being able to play them together and just having a killer defensive starting lineup. Uh, you know, playing those guys every minutes and. And playing a really aggressive lineup, and and hoping that Westbrook can kind of because Westbrook has great defensive potential. He didn't have a good defensive year last year. He's had better defensive years than he did last year. Uh, and and he's when he when he goes well, he's really good on defense. I mean, if Westbrook can have put together a good defensive season, old an above average defender, and you got Robertson's really good, and Adams is really good, and you can have. I think that's that's top ten defense potential which is kind of amazing to think with Durant and Ibaka gone, that the defense could jump from outside the top 10 into the top 10. But I really do think that's a realistic possibility with this team. But I think in order to do that, playing Adams and Robertson together makes sense. Now, I understand the argument otherwise. And, and, and you know, there are a million different – there are 82 different games. You know, you try stuff out. Billy Donovan's going to do that. He's going to do that. I, I think at the end, Robertson will end up getting more time with the starters. I think he just makes a little more sense with the makeup of this roster and how many minutes for the Adams-Cantor combo. That's also playing matchups. I think mean, there's some teams you can't do it against. I mean, they're not going to play against the Warriors. You want Cantor guarding, you know, Kevin Durant in a small ball lineup. Good luck. I mean, that's not that's not a viable option. You can do it against a team like San Antonio, even this year San Antonio with Duncan out and Gasol in. You can do that. Especially if San Antonio is going to do what they did in that playoff series when when Adams and Canner found a lot of success, not run a lot of pick and roll, just try to post up Canner and take advantage of him that way. Canner's not such a detrimental defender in the post. He's a big body. He plays hard. I mean, he does play hard. That's the thing that people should know when they talk about Canner. Like, it's not like he's one of those defenders who just doesn't care and he just just flails his arms and, and doesn't care. He cares. He plays hard. Just you know, it's just not the best part of his game. But he cares, and he plays hard. Shouldn't be knocked for that. And when you have a guy who's that big and that strong, and, and he plays hard, he's, he's not going to be a bad post defender. And Kinner's not a bad post defender, and the first tried to post him up, and he was fine. So when you have teams that like post up, teams that play too conventional, you know, old-school bigs, you can do that lineup. But, you know, there was a reason that we didn't see that lineup close any fourth quarter during the regular season last year. There was a reason. Uh, I think San Antonio that series was was uh, you know it was a little anomalous. It was a little anomalous. It was that's part of what made that move so clever for Billy Donovan, being able to find that lineup that could have so much success. It was a lineup a lot of people didn't think was a was a viable one to play in a postseason series, and Billy Donovan kind of showed them exactly how it could find success. Uh, and I thought that was just you know says a lot about Billy Donovan. I thought it was really good coaching. It was a really, really smart, it was a shrewd coaching move. Uh, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you just throw it out, you know, 82 times a year. I think we'll see it sporadically. I think we're going to go like two weeks sometimes where we don't see it. And then maybe we'll see it a bunch in one game where it makes sense. You know, you're going up against a team with two bigs. You know, maybe, maybe Memphis is playing, you know, Gasol and Zeebo a lot on a particular night. And you throw out that lineup and you try to out-offensive rebound them. I also think Cano works better in the second unit anyway. Cano works well from a stylistic standpoint, where he can play the five, not the four. He can guard closer to the basket when he does that, where he's, you know, not all world by any means, but he's better than when he has to go out and guard away from the rim. Uh, you know, he can also, from the offensive perspective, you can just he can give him the ball and let him work and... And, 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 you know, he's so skilled around the basket and, and you can kind of just run your offense through him in that second unit. And, and, uh, and that's something that I think just works better for him stylistically. He can, he can rack up points and, and I think you can have a pretty solid second unit if that's the case. Uh, next from M. Haggard, let's get back to campaign. What can we expect out of campaign this year? So I kind of laid out all the possibilities. I think it's important to lay out the actual expectations. I expect him to be better than he was last year. I think Campaign is a talented player. Uh, now, now I'm operating off the assumption that he's going to be fine and healthy by the start of the year because all the information that we have says that he will be healthy. If he's got, a, he gets a setback. If he re-injures it, you know, he, he had he had the Jones fracture that he had operated on in July. So, if he re-injures that, if he gets hurt again, if whatever happens happens, then you know. That's, that's an unforeseen circumstance. But based off the information we know right now, I'm assuming Cameron Payne is going to be a rotation player this year. I think he's going to be more consistent because I think we saw quality play from him at times. Look, his flaws last year, I think he struggled with the speed of the game sometimes. I think he's got the talent to be a good rotation player, but I think he struggled with the speed of the game at moments, which is not abnormal for a young rookie. It's not like he's a 23-year-old rookie. He left school early. He's a young rookie. He's going to be 21 this year. 21 at the start of the year. Young guy. Got baby face, too. He looks real young. He jokes about it, too. But he put on some weight this year. That's a good thing. He's put on double-digit pounds, I think, unless he lost it in the last you know month, which I doubt is the case, considering he's made an active effort to put on weight because he's kind of got that, that kind of kid frame. You know, he's kind of, he's got a teenager's frame. Um, And, 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 and just some wider shoulders would really help him. But I really think the biggest change for him this year will just be the speed of the game. Look good in Summer League. I don't know what that means. But it's better than looking bad in Summer League. If he can adjust the speed of the game more, though, if he can, you know, there were times last year someone would backdoor cut, he'd hit him late. Pass would get deflected or. Maybe you'd find the guy who wasn't open anymore. The NBA, when guys are running off screens or a guy cuts or whatever it is, a point guard, it's like a quarterback, you know? not the first person in the history of the world to make that analogy. A point guard can't see that a guy is open and make a pass. NBA defenses are too quick. In college, I think you can see that a guy is open and you can make a pass. In the NBA, I don't think you can see that a guy is open and make a pass. You have to anticipate that a guy will be open if he continues to move or is moving. Or if the defense continues to move where it's moving. And then you find it. It's very rare that someone's just going to be open for four seconds straight. That's not something that really happens unless you have a complete and total defensive breakdown. So you need to create somebody to get open. You need to anticipate how you're going to do that. Or you need to anticipate how the player is going, your teammate's going to move, or how the defense is going to move in order to get somebody open. I think Payne struggled with that at times last year, whether that was others cutting or how he was going to maneuver to create for others. Uh, And I think he's going to be better at that this year because that tends to come with age. And I think it's things we we saw flashes of him being able to do it at spots last year. It just wasn't quite as consistent. And I I, I think we're going to see struggles this year, but I I think he's going to be a solid backup point guard to Russell Westbrook this year. Uh, And I think that's a reasonable expectation for him in his second season. From the Down to Dunk podcast... Shout out to the Down to Dunk podcast. podcast ter- podcaster to a podcaster. Uh, how much time do you expect Robertson to get a power forward this season? This one's interesting. This is this is a more trendy question than I thought it would be. A lot of people are into Robertson as a point guard. I don't think it's going to happen as much as people are talking about it. I mean, I know it happened in the playoffs against the Warriors a little bit last year. Again, that was a situational thing. It's like Canner and Adams playing against the Spurs. Situational thing. Works as a small ball lineup. Worked against them. Actually, functionally, offensively, he was the center. Because Ibaka was spacing the floor and and on pick and rolls and stuff, Robertson was rolling. That was a way to beat the fact that nobody was guarding Robertson. Uh, They just kind of had him run around, set a ton of screens. Set a lot of flare screens off the ball, too. Memphis Grizzlies tried a similar thing with Tony Allen a couple of years ago in the playoffs when the Warriors weren't guarding him. Um, you know, it worked. It worked with the differences. It worked with the Thunder. It didn't really work with, with the Grizzlies. I, I do think we're going to see him play small ball for some amount. Again, that's going to be situational though. I mean, I think I've seen some people propose, could Robertson just be the starting four now? No, he can't. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. And that's not a his problem. That's, that's not a flaw in Andre Robertson. I think he's an awesome defensive player. He's just, I mean, he's the frame of a shooting guard, and in today's day and age, I mean, if he were playing in, you know, even in, forget the 90s, if he were playing in 2011, he'd be a full-time shooting guard. That'd be it. Maybe he'd play some small forward, but he'd be a full-time wing. No way he'd be playing four. Now he's, you know, someone who can viably play four in certain lineups, but I think in certain lineups is the operative phrase there, in certain lineups. I don't think you can force teams to match up against Andre Robertson. That's the difference. When you have someone who, let's say, who's someone similarly sized to Robertson. Let's say you got Joe Johnson, Utah with Joe Johnson. I think they're going to play him with some small ball four. The Nets play Joe Johnson some small ball four. Joe Johnson, functionally, is kind of a shooting guard. He's a shooting guard, a small forward, wherever you're going to play him. But Joe Johnson is going to play some small ball four this year. He did it with Brooklyn the last couple of years. Joe Johnson is a guy who, when Joe Johnson's shooting the ball well, because Joe Johnson is strong in the lower body, he can guard some floors, and he fights hard, and he plays hard defense, and, and, he, and he shoots well, and he's a dangerous catch-and-shoot option, and, and defenders respect him and go out and guard him. He's somebody who, when you go small with Joe Johnson at the forward, depending on who you're going against, what coach, what team, what lineups, whatever... You can force the other team to match up with you. Now, I think because Robertson isn't much of a shooter, you're not going to force other teams to match up with you if you play him at the four. Let's say Robertson played the four against San Antonio. San Antonio wouldn't say, oh, no, Robertson's at the four. We need to put somebody that can guard him out there on the perimeter. Because that's not the case. Robertson's not going to kill you with the shooting. That's really the difference. He's still, just because he's a wing playing the four, doesn't mean he's a stretch four. Now I'm, I'm cool with him playing the four at times. I think it it works well. And I honestly thought it worked mostly well in the playoffs because of, because of the creative, the creative, you know, ways that they were using him as a screener more so than just the fact that he was playing the four. Uh, I think that was more of just kind of a, a nominal designation than it was a reason for his success. Uh, But I do think it's something at the very least worth trying, and I think it's something Billy Donovan probably will try this year. Uh, At the same time, I don't think we're going to see it as much as people think. It just doesn't seem as viable to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Robertson comes out and he's a better shooter, fixes his footwork, he fixes his release point, and he becomes a more accurate three-point shooter, and all of a sudden he's a guy that you can force guys to match up against. But if you're going against San Antonio going against Memphis, I know I sound like Charles Barkley saying this, I beat him by posting him up, but, you know, Robertson is is a guy who, you know, he's he's a really, really good defender, I don't want to make it sound like I'm knocking his defense, I think he's awesome on defense, I really do, but he's uh, uh, approximately a billion pounds, you know, smaller than Pau Gasol, or Zach Randolph, or whomever, you know, Blake Griffin, you think the the Clippers are going to be intimidated if you go, you know, with Blake Griffin guarding him? Blake Griffin's going to post him up. You know, it's going to be an issue, or, or you know, he's going to he's going to you know outbody him on on boards or or anything along those lines. You know, those are the, that that's the issue with playing him at the four consistently. But, yeah, there's some lineups where it works. You know, another team goes small, and you can react. It's just not going to force anybody else to react. It's a good reactor, not a, not a good way to enforce reactions. Uh, finally, from Kevin Calagero, uh, starting lineup, who will be a power forward? thought this was a good follow-up for Robertson at the four. I would honestly, I'd be shocked if it weren't Sova. Even if you think is better, and I, and I wrote about this today, I should say, at this point, by the time this post, it'll be yesterday. So I wrote about this Wednesday morning. You can find that on normantranscript.com, on my blog, Thunder Road. normantranscript.com slash sports slash Thunder Road. Find it right there. But I wrote about Eliasova. He's got to start a Power Forward. The Thunder just don't have enough shooting to allow for otherwise. He's got to be there. Hey, really, it, it, it has to happen. The Thunder have below-average shooters for their position at, at every position. You know, Westbrook below average, Oladipo's about average, Robertson's going to be below average, and, 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 uh, and Adams is, is not stepping out to the three-point line ever. You need somebody who can space the floor, and it's not just about hitting threes. It's, it's really about opening up the paint, right? That's what you want to do. You've got to space. And that's what this is about, because Russell Westbrook needs the lane, and Victor Oladipo needs the lane. This is important. It's really, really important. And you gotta, you got to open it up for those guys. And I think the good way to do that, the best way to do that, is just by starting Ilya um, you can, you know, I have some more comments on normantranscript.com. You can enter the website and read it there. Before we head out, I'm on every Tuesday and Thursday from this point forward. That will be true through the middle of September when I return to every weekday. It's Monday through Friday once again. If you're subscribed to the show, you'll be all good on getting those. Remember, you can head onto iTunes and subscribe to Lockdown Thunder there. If you have any questions or comments, you can also email Locked on Thunder at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Fred F R E D K A T Z. Log on to normantranscript.com for all your Thunder needs and check out Thunder Road to follow us next with a Thunder there. That's going to do it today. Thanks again to SeatGeek. Remember, you can type in that promo code L O Thunder, all one word, in order to get that $20 rebate. I'm back with you on Tuesday for more thunder and nba talk until next time though lockdown thunder is locking up